This episode is dedicated to our dear friend, Lindy, who has recently gone home to be with Jesus. Lindy and her husband, Rich, were a fierce couple who were together for more than 20 years. Lindy, we loved you, and Rich, we love you, man. We're praying for you during this difficult time. Burn the ships. Stay high. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so today's episode, we're going to talk about, honestly, the only way I can say it is the seriousness of a covenantal marriage and why that is a beautiful, joyful thing. And basically this idea of burning ships, and we'll talk about where that comes from and what that means for your marriage and what that could mean. What do you say? I say, don't jump ship, but get off the ships before you burn the ships. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we're going to make all that clear in this episode. We're going to have a good time. I hope you'll stick around. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. stick around for 10 seconds. Uh, I hope you'll stick around. It's 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds. People probably just zoom past that uh-huh. intro by now. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we're going to be talking about this idea of not having a backup plan. So not a lot of people know this. And we actually got back from a, we just did a radio interview where people always ask, what do you mean by fierce marriage? What does that actually mean? And our response is, and this, this is what we started with when, six years ago when yeah. you and I sat down and said, let's do this fierce marriage thing. Let's do this. Is the idea of being fierce is that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and never gives in. Mm-hmm. And so that can't, comes from, I think, a big view of covenant, of this covenant of marriage. And it's in contrast. And I think the reason why people have kind of latched onto it and why God has been allowing us to be so fruitful, which has been so fun, mm-hmm. is that it, it is in direct contrast to the worldly view of marriage. Yes. Which is very like a throwaway kind, kind of, of culture. Like loosey-goosey. Yeah. Do what, do what feels right, you know? Like yeah. do, if, if it if doesn't you, work, it's fine. Just yeah, make can, sure you sign a prenup. And yeah. You can, always just, you can always just renege on it. Yeah. You know? Just sometimes just it just out. doesn't work out, right? And, and you oh. know, obviously no one goes into their marriage with, <laughs> right. that, with that mindset. I mean, some people do. They say, hey, let's give this marriage thing a shot. And but I think yeah. most Christians and believers are like no, yeah. in it for the long haul. But I'm always very surprised. I mean, look at, you know, I don't know the exact statistics. People will say half of all marriages end in divorce. I think that's probably a misrepresentation of the actual statistic in the church of Bible-believing Christians. I think that's a misrepresentation. Right. However, uh, I think there's probably a lot of reason to look at the Christian ethos of marriage and how we do or do not take the idea of covenant as seriously as we can. Right, right. As we should. Um, so well, we're going to get into that. Yeah, and we're just kind of talking a little bit about, you know, not jumping ship too early. Like, I think, and not just, okay, we need to get a divorce. Not going to maybe that extent, but are there areas in, in our marriage where we have just decided to kind of give up and we've decided to jump ship and it just feels too hard. So, yeah, yeah we'll stay married. That's fine. But I'm just going to kind of live my life over here and do what I what I want to do. So, so for clarity... <laughs> And we'll get into our housekeeping in just a second. But what do we mean by burning the ships? Uh, I, I found this on the internet. Ah, Google. The well, best you'd research already tool. you'd already kind of known, but we needed to kind of pinpoint the historical yeah, reference. Yeah, so according <laughs> to just one un, unsubstantiated source, 
I don't think it really matters, to be honest. But he said, in 1519, Captain Hernan Cortez landed in Veracruz to begin his great conquest. Upon arriving, he gave the order to his men to burn the ships. As I imagine it, someone then laughed, and Cortez promptly thrust his sword into the man's chest, after which the, re- the rest proceeded to get hammered on rum and glow and by the glow of the blaze. <laughs> And to burn one's boats, okay, so this idea, this burns one's ships, I mean, it's a variation of burning your bridges, right? And alludes mm-hmm. to certain famous incidents where a commander, that's what we just talked about, having landed in hostile territory, he ordered his men to destroy their ships so that they would have to conquer the country or be killed. Sounds a lot like marriage. <laughs> Till death do us part. <laughs> You're going to conquer this marriage thing or I will be killed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna we joke, but there's a lot of spiritual like metaphor. I think there's implications. A motto, yeah, there's a model a whole, for your marriage. Is yeah. I'm gonna stay married to you or die trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. One time I got a tattoo on my arm. Well, I still have it. <laughs> One time. I have this massive tattoo on my inner arm, and it says it's an ambigram. It says Selena on one side, and then your middle name, which is Amanda. Right. And the guy... So when you turn it upside down, it says my middle name. Yeah. So I went to this tattoo shop in Huntington Beach yeah. with my good buddy, Chad. And I was like, yeah, I want to get, get my wife's name on my arm. And he's like... Don't do bro, it. Bro, are you sure? Yeah. They did that to me because <laughs> I, like, sure, I have your name on my wrist. It's a little tattoo. And they were like, are you sure you want that? Because every time I do that, every time he's like, every time I give a tattoo to, of somebody's spouse, they end up getting divorced. And I was like, bro. I was like, dude. You don't know. Who my you, husband is, and you don't know who my Jesus is, obviously. <laughs> oh, snap. I, I told this guy straight up, I was like, dude, I will die before this name becomes irrelevant in my life. Great. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just so you know, this is where I stand on this, so just ink away, buddy. Yep. Ink away. Ink away. All right. So, yeah, I burned, <clears throat> I burned that ship. My arm has been branded with my lovely <laughs> wife's name. Okay, so before we get into the actual meat of what we're talking about here let's do our housekeeping first and foremost thank you listeners raiders and reviewers you guys as always have been so encouraging Mm -hmm. if you've been listening to this podcast for a number of weeks months or even years now we've been at it for a year and a half Mm -hmm. uh it would be and you haven't done this yet it would be so encouraging to do that just hop into itunes or your app of choice and just hit that star rating uh whatever you think we've earned and leave a review it takes about a a minute to do the two things Mm. depending on how uh verbose you are um, brevity is the soul of wit, said Shakespeare. So feel free to be non-verbose. Um, be verbose if you got good things to say. Sure, yeah, I don't mind. Ver- verbosity is okay. <laughs> Not sure if that's a word. Hey, Shakespeare made up words all the time. So there you go. Number two. So in 200 years or so or whatever. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know when Shakespeare was. Uh, 1600? I don't know. Don't ask me. In hundreds of years. Your You're words, the AP your words don't make sense. Okay, so number two, if you yes. want to partner with us and you want to be complicit in our mission of strengthening marriages and commissioning marriages for the gospel, mm. you can do that, and we would love your partnership. We've had some new people hop on board in the last week. It's been so encouraging, but on patreon.com slash fierce marriage, you can read all about what it means to be a fierce marriage partner, uh, and there's different levels, and there are things that are gifts kind of we give away to say thank you, mm-hmm. although don't encourage you to do that just for the gifts. Uh, a because who does that? People would do that because it ends up being a good deal. However, right, but do it because you're passionate about this cause, yeah. about seeing. And we use that money to keep this ad free. Mm. We use it to keep our lights on. We use it to buy gear as needed. We use it to hopefully one day pay for help in the editing process because that takes <laughs> a lot of time. Okay, and number three, uh, ask questions at this you uh, number nine seven one three 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 eleven twenty. Call or text or go to fiercemarriage.com slash podcast. Oh man. Okay. Take a breath. Take a deep breath. Okay, so we talked about the whole historical significance of 
burning your ships. Yes, what else but you got? before we go into that, because you wanted to kind of recap, we had some, so the last two episodes were about pornography mm-hmm. and we had a bunch of people write in and share resources that we mm-hmm. are going to share. You're, you're going to share in those show notes, right? You were going to put links um, oh, yeah. that people sent. And by um, the way, people don't know where the show notes are. You can find them in two places, but there's one place that's faster than others. Okay. So Get into iTunes. I think you can even have iTunes if you have an Android device. But get on iTunes and just hit the little – there's like a little information icon there. Mm-hmm. That, sh- that brings up all the show notes. Uh, that's going to have all the links. That's the official show notes with um, with quote fingers. Yeah. Okay. We also post these episodes but usually pretty late yeah. on our website because yeah. it we, we're just very busy writing right now and we're busy – we traveled this week. And so I'm like three episodes behind on our website in terms of actually adding the episodes right. there with the show notes there. So go to iTunes to find those quickest. You can find all back show notes at FierceMarriage.com. I think podcast platforms are just kind of the worst. <laughs> they are the <laughs> like worst. Like navigating. I'm like, there are so many people on here and using this. Why can I not even find things that I'm looking for? I know. Anyways, I'm sure, of- it's, I'm sure it's undergoing some big, huge – like. Reformation or something soon because <laughs> the Reformation. Of the podcast we we're all going to get used to it and then they're going to change. It. I know, but hey, it'll hey, probably Apple. Be. hey Steve, Steve Jobs is no longer with us. <laughs> That's not nice. Tim Cook, there hey Tim Cook, hey, just just fix iTunes, all right? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Okay, so those okay. we wanted to let you guys all know about the resources that people sent in that we will post in the show notes. Uh, one or two of those areas, and then you had somebody write in. And we do get a lot of um, kind of pushback about the whole verse of not letting the sun go down on your anger. And right. we mentioned that in uh, the most recent episode. The Pornography 2 episode. Yeah. yeah. Two, so of, two of two. you wanted to respond to that because I think it is important for us to be clear about um, the theology we believe behind. Right. Yeah. That Okay. So that verse comes from Ephesians 4. And I just want to read it. I'm going to read Ephesians 4. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 25 and go through that verse, right? It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members one of another. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Um, and it goes on to say, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need, but no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Only that is good for building others up as fits the occasion. And it goes on. So basically Paul is, uh, he's exhorting the church, the believers in the church to behave in a way that is consistent with the gospel that they've received. Right. So it's the title of that whole section is the new, like new life in, I think it's the new life in Christ. Okay. Yeah. So it, he's basically <clears throat> calling them to a life of to a sanctified way. Right. And he's obviously witnessing this behavior among them. So when we say that, though, I want to be clear. So what does the Bible mean? There's two different questions here. Sorry. There's two different questions. There is what do we mean? Okay. Right. And there's also what does the Bible mean by that verse? Right. We're not saying that you just that that you just want to ignore what this verse is saying. Right? I feel like this verse is saying there's a period in time you go to sleep. Something happens when you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And he's saying don't let the sun go down on your anger for a reason. What is the Bible actually saying there with in terms of anger? Well, the ver- the word behind that is what perogismos, the Greek word, yeah, perogismos, I think, and that is basically it's the Greek word behind it. it means exasperation, wrath, irritation, indignation. So there's this sense of it's not just anger; it's not just a sense of hurt. So we're not saying that you go. We're going to what Selena was saying last episode is like give yourself a seven to ten day period. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about to be angry. You're saying to feel hurt and to maybe not have it resolved. 
doesn't mean that you're angry. It's not that you're you're going to bed for seven days with wrath in your heart. Mm-mm. You're going- actually giving it time to to fizzle out and to allow those emotions to come and go, and then you can respond from a better place. So there's this sense of feeling hurt, but there's also a sense of stewing, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and and what it's saying is, and another commentator, I think Matthew uh, Matthew Henry said it's like a brooding anger, mm-hmm. it's a wrathful, enraged anger. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense that when this bomb is dropped, and we're again talking about the last episode, pornography, and we're going to kind of leave it here because we have to go on to the next topic. But when that bomb is dropped, say you discover something, or your you know your spouse comes to you and admits an addiction to pornography, um, yeah, you can. You can be hurt by that. Mm-hmm. that you're not going to just feel angry and then all of a sudden have to get rid of that anger. There's, if you have a sense of anger where you want to get back at them, that's what that's talking about. It's not talking about uh, that you need to get it resolved before you go to sleep that night. Right, right. I just don't think that's possible, nor do I think Paul is calling us to that. Right. So I think that's the clarity we want to provide there is we're not saying that you – that's a different – that's anger. Okay, that's not hurt. That's anger that Paul's talking about. Right. And sinning in that anger because I think in the same right. verse said, in your anger, do not sin. Right. So um, do not let the sun go down on your yeah. anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The analogy I like to use is that it's like going, it's like sweeping it under the rug. It's because when you go to sleep, if you don't deal with that anger in a healthy way and you confess it to God, you confess it to each other mm-hmm. and that wrathfulness is just kind of stays there. You, it creates a seed of bitterness because you sweep it under the rug, you go to sleep, you reset your emotions and now you have a, a it's like, it's like gone into, it's gone dormant right. and not dealt with right. that, that sense of anger. Right. But the hurt is a different thing. I just want to be distinct. I want to make it's a good. distinction there. No, okay, so we're 13 minutes in. Um, <laughs> okay, so the topic we're going to talk about, again, the seriousness of of the covenantal bond, the seriousness of covenant in marriage. Right. And just encouraging <laughs> you, listener, to, to burn the ships. Right. We talked about what that means. Burning the ships is basically erasing the, any chance of retreat, mm-hmm. any chance of a backup plan. Right. There is no plan B. Right. right, right, and we tend to feel this way when there's just been a huge life change, right? We have a new baby or just young kids, and maybe there's a change of geographic location for whatever's happening. I think that we just start feeling this this disconnect. We start we want to alleviate, right? The alleviate, yeah. alleviate the the pain and the frustration or the just the irritation, right? We just want to we want to get back to a happy place, <laughs> and I think we I think we do this when we even enter marriage, right? We have this. This we like you said we don't take it very serious. Maybe I think I even walked into it a bit naive. You know, oh, just having sure. some maybe wrong or unrealistic expectations, and then not knowing how to communicate very healthy through those. I think we all kind of go through that tunnel <laughs> the first year or two, maybe yeah. longer. Um, and then maybe sometimes some of us go into marriage thinking, oh, let's just. I mean, if it doesn't work out, I'll have you know, I can have a backup plan. It's fine. Like we can just get divorced or whatever. Like it's just very quickly and flippantly run over or we we have this tendency like we talked about to jump ship like too quickly we don't stay in the fight for our marriage we give up in certain areas we decide we'll stay married but like i'm just tired of trying to like love you or encourage you or fight for you i'm just i don't want to do it anymore i'm tired but in order Mm -hmm. to experience the victory that we have in and because of christ we've got to we've got to burn that ship and we've got to not jump the ship either. There's okay, so a lot wanna, of ship analogies. I want to ask this question: Is where where is this coming from? Like where? Okay, so if a if a couple's engaged mm-hmm. and they don't know it, but or they're newly married, or they're married 10, 20 years, and they have a low view of the covenantal bond, where is that coming from in culture? And where is that reflected in culture? I think we see it primarily, and this is 
not to harp on the sex thing even more, but we see it in our view towards sexuality. Yeah. All right. Again, we just got done talking about pornography mm-hmm. for two episodes. And so, but we, and the reason pornography is even a thing is because we see sex as something that it is not. Mm. Right. So my dad, my dad had two mandates for me as a kid. I kept one. I failed on the other. <laughs> but well, he the failed other with did, you. The other one didn't matter. <laughs> so he said, don't get any tattoos. <laughs> Which your first tattoo was with him. My first tattoo was with my dad. <laughs> he so got one too. That's what you're saying. I flipped him. Uh, and he, which – which again, that goes back to like the Jewish ceremonial law and cultural taboos, right? It has nothing to do with like the new the dispensation of grace that we're in and the culture that we're in. So I got him to flip on that one. <laughs> the then his other mandate was no sex before you get married, and he often would threaten me with a rusty machete, and I'll <laughs> let you fill in the blanks, listener. <laughs> so if you do that, and he would just wield this rusty machete, he was for some reason those were the hills that he wanted to die on, and I'm so thankful for the the second one because. It gave me a very high view of sex mm. and therefore it gave me a very high view of the institution for which sex was created. Mm. So marriage is the only place where sex was was able to be enjoyed is what my dad basically taught me. And that's what the Bible teaches. Right. And so I think going into our marriage, I was 20 years old when we got married, I had a really high view of that covenant mm-hmm. because we had waited. We had not had sex. Right. Both of us were virgins. <clears throat> And it was like the sense of – it's the sense of like finality in that weird particular way of just mm-hmm. our intimacy. And therefore, it felt to me like a final thing in terms of its, its importance and its weight as a covenant. Mm-hmm. Now, my parents have been married for, I don't know, I think going on 40-some 40 40, 40 years. Yeah. So they also modeled that my entire life. Um, and so – but the the inverse of that is – that culture has taken a very light view of sex and that it's something to be enjoyed. You have a right to it. Mm-hmm. You have a right to free expression of sex. All throughout the 60s and 70s, the sexual revolution, basically trying to throw off any sort of authority around the idea of sex and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, we have apps now, <laughs> like Tinder, where literally you're like, it, people are commodities that you're trading. Mm. You're swiping left, swiping right, you know, trying to find that match. So not so you, not so you can build this lasting, deep bond and relationship that is based on God's word. It's so you can have a quick sexual encounter. Let's yeah. just be honest. It's yeah. so you can hook up with some. And there's other apps are more brazen in that objective than others. Right. So we have this attitude, this cultural attitude. The water we're swimming in culturally yeah. is very averse to this idea of a lifelong covenant that is exclusive mm-hmm. between one man and one woman. So it's it's basically it's under attack. And so as Christians, we have to be very overt and very uh, vigilant in our view of not only marriage but of God Himself, mm-hmm. right? So if covenant is a is meant to be a reflection of God's Christ's love for His people, of God's love for His people, the Bible begins and ends with a wedding. Mm-hmm. We see this this analogy of marriage all throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation mm-hmm. and the idea of covenant, the covenantal character of God being that he's made covenant with his people and he keeps a God of his covenant. And it's an unconditional love. If we don't understand covenant, we don't understand God. Right. If we make light of of covenant, we make light of God. And mm-hmm. I think, honestly, if we get down, if we dig, 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 get all the way down to the root of why marriages are, are failing, mm-hmm. it's because we have a small view of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have an irreverence. The Bible teaches that uh, wisdom, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We do not fear God in that sense. Right. And I think part of that is because we we idolize our desires as a culture oh, and culture baby. feeds those desires. I mean, everything you're talking about from, you know, just a quick sexual hookup um, 
to mm. pornography to everything, they're all based around what do we want and, mm. and what do I want? When do I want it? So it's putting our desires and it's, it's putting all of the weight on what we want and our desires. And it's not the, and God is asking us to submit those desires to his authority, mm. to his design. So bringing scripture into this whole conversation, Mark 10, nine talks about, um, I was just going to mention self-sovereignty. Right, right. That's that, that definitely We goes. idolize our desires because we are sovereign. God right, is not. We are on right. the throne. God is not. Right. In that we want, we want God everywhere else right. in our lives. We want, to, we want to borrow from the character of God, yeah. meaning that we want to uh, – I won't get into it, but there's all kinds of ways that we borrow from the character of God. We want him everywhere in our lives except for on the throne. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get this, this idea that our, our desires are sovereign, self-sovereignty, self-sufficiency – uh, self-worship. Right. And it's interesting because starting in Mark ten nine, where it says what God is doing together, let not man separate. Mm. Um, you know, man talks about uh, the word man means it. I also, I always read it to mean someone else or something on the outside of like our marriage, but it could also mean like you or you or I, like our desires in James one fourteen, it, it talks about how our desires cause us to sin. Like God mm. doesn't cause us to sin. It's our desires within mm. us that cause us to sin. It says, let not, so it's like, let not our desires separate us from the one Mm. God brought us together with. So there's this, there's this willing act of submission when I have a wrong desire that I need to say, this is, this is not in line with what God has said to be truth. Mm -hmm. So I need to submit that desire and realign where I'm at. And in that we're, we're, we're trusting his design. We're trusting his will and we're fighting for that covenant that we made before him and with our spouse, so. that the that verse Mark Mark ten nine um, let let not man separate mm-hmm. God let not man put asunder is one one way of I right. think, putting it. I think it's it's all you, about the sovereignty. Like don't right. what you're saying is it's not just some some man person. It's it's man kind. Right. The per, like let not humanity or you or anyone else mm-hmm. be sovereign over this thing that yeah. God is sovereign over. Right. He designed marriage. You cannot break it. He brought you together. God has sealed it. You can't do anything to unseal it. Right. And I think that's, we don't realize that. And so people get divorced. This is going to be a touchy topic, but people get divorced (laughs) and they think it's done. Not in God's eyes. Yeah. (laughs) You're not, you're not, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to please don't write in about this. This is very nuanced. And I know I'm not talking about every little instance. It's still debated among faithful theologians what divorce can and, and, you know, could look like. Uh, but what I'm saying is that in more more cases than not, our view of divorce is that it's just a matter of signing on the dotted line right. and it's dissolved. And I'm saying, no, it's not. Mm-mm. You can't undo what God has sealed, mm. right? And so I think having that view of marriage, we've talked about we're going to we're coming out with some pre-marriage stuff that we're working on at some point in the distant future. <laughs> but we're like, what advice do we give to young married couples? And honestly, <laughs> this is a marriage guy talking, right? So we're talking about we're on Fierce Marriage podcast. <laughs> My best advice for a lot of couples and nowadays is don't get married. <laughs> like oh like honor like don't get married until you understand what this is. Right, the weight of the covenant. Because and you're you have to be willing to to lay down every desire. And I'm saying that in, in love. In I'm not love, saying yeah. that they shouldn't at some point get married. I'm just saying do you understand this? If not, don't get married. Right. And right. until you understand it, don't get married and still respect that and 
it doesn't take it's not a, you don't take need a master's degree to understand this yeah, stuff. I think but you need you need to, you do need excuse me to submit yourself to God's word on this. Right. And I think that having mentors and people that are asking you the hard questions will help you process. It's part of it is like having a kid. You just don't know until you know, right? Like there's some things that we yeah, can't that fully understand about marriage. But if we are willing to have people involved and have people ask us the hard questions and have people walk alongside us with that in that journey that are pointing us back to God saying, this is where you extend grace. And we talk about in First Corinthians 13, like how to love each other, not and how it shows and essentially it shows us how to not love each other as well. Like mm-hmm. if you look at the flip side of everything, but how this is how we love each other. This is how God has called us to love each other in a covenant marriage. And so when I don't feel like being patient or kind or gentle to you, God's God's God needs to trump here. Like his way needs to be the highway and I need to submit my feelings Mm, to where he is at and know that I need to extend grace and I need to figure out how to get to that place. I'm not trying to rhyme here, but (laughs) (laughs) I need to figure out and and maybe not I need to figure out, but I need God's word to help me. I I need the Holy Spirit to. I don't feel like submitting myself to God's word. I I feel like feeling what I feel. (laughs) Well, feelings are just a feeling, and you don't have to act on them. Feelings are not king. Oh, Lead me when I'm in the mood to be led, (laughs) right? I think somebody said um, on John Piper, said that John Piper said something about like feelings are not king or emotions are not king. Mm. You know, like Jesus is. Wow. That's so good. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm botching it. Well, you're trying to look it up right now. But that's it. That's just it, is, is you just nailed it on its head. Is that we 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 don't want to submit to God in these moments when our feelings are so intense and feelings are only feelings. That's what you're trying to say. So you yes, got to he right says, here. John Piper, my feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. Ooh, oh, oh man, John, does he just not want to be popular? He's so awesome. I mean, people aren't going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> His social media strategy is all over the board. It's all over the board. <laughs> No, Just but that truth, that truth it's is so true. good. And it's you know true. what? It's easy to say that here on this podcast, but like when the rubber meets yeah, the road. Yeah, we're living it out and I get angry because you don't understand how perfect and awesome I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like being patient with you. <laughs> when I get resentful because you don't appreciate all my efforts. And this is all, a cry for help, right? <laughs> this is a cry for help. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, but uh, we're joking, but man. But it is true. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 outlines how we love each other and how we can fight fiercely for each other. Fighting fiercely sometimes means submitting. Fighting fiercely mm. means letting those emotions go, knowing that they're emotions, let them go, mm. take some breaths, take a time out, and figure out God's way, find his way, what his truth says, and go to that, especially and even when you don't feel like it. And... So that's us basically, and I'm trying to loop this back into the topic of how big, like burning the ships, burning the boats, what that means <laughs> yeah. in terms of understanding covenant. Right. And when we understand covenant, we can we submit ourselves to that. That includes submitting ourselves to God's version of love. Mm-hmm. All right. Not the world's version of love. Right. Quote unquote love. Right. It's not love. It's mm-hmm. feelings. Right. Mask, masked as love. It's selfishness masked mm-hmm. as love. And so you're basically mm. saying that I'm self-sovereign. As soon as you stop meeting my needs, right. then I'm going to just run. I'm, yes. I'm going to get back on that ship and I'm going to go back over the ocean. And I'm going to find another find crew. Another little honey. Another honey <laughs> to go conquer another <laughs> land with. And I'll keep my ship intact then too, just right. in case I need it to bail on that one. Right. That is not love. Right. Love, sa- love is 
is patient. It's kind. It's not self-serving. Oops. And so, but here's the beauty of it. Yes. Okay. And here's the hope of it. And everything we're saying, it's because God is big and beautiful and he has designed this for our flourishing, not to hold us back. Right. That's why we can trust him. He's powerful, but he's also good. God is powerful, but he's also good. He wants our best. And so he's designed this covenantal institution, this idea of covenant, and he's shown it to us mm-hmm. so that we can understand it and so love can become love. Right. So that we can actually learn to love within this arena. You've heard us say this before if you've listened for a while, but I picture covenant is like an arena, yeah. like the Colosseum. <laughs> and in it, there is a husband and a wife and you are fighting, but you can't escape. So you have to figure stuff out. Like your only option is to figure stuff out together because there's no there's no right way to leave. And that's a so beautiful one of us thing. Is so, die. so what do you do? <laughs> Instead of just turning and running, what do you do? You turn to each other. Yeah. You run to each other and you run to Jesus and you say, Help me love my yeah. spouse. You as my spouse, help me love you. Yeah. And help me love Jesus well. Right. And that's where we actually learn like you can't just our our sin nature, I've been reading um, I've been reading in Galatians. Our sin nature is opposed to the spirit, and we mm-hmm. need to submit ourselves to the spirit. We need to submit our sin nature to the spirit, and that is when we start to actually become the loving people He's called us. Well, to and I'm pretty sure all of God's calls and like commandments to us are directly in opposition to our sin nature. Right? It's like mm-hmm. we want to trust ourselves. We want to do what we feel Mm. and we want to have what we want when we want it. And that is, and God is saying, be patient, be Mm. kind, trust that in the hard times and through the turbulence of your marriage, like God is, his word is true Mm. and it will come, it will bear fruit. Um, We talk about Ephesians five, of course, because we're married. right? Or no, I talked about Galatians 5, never mind. You did. I wish you wouldn't have I used wish... turbulence because that's an air analogy and we're going with the whole ship thing I right know, now. I so, know, I know. Anyway, I well, if you listeners ha- are tracking. Ephesians 5 is obviously chocked full with, um, you know, Paul writing to the Ephesians about how they need to be imitators of God and how, what this looks like. Walking in love, giving yourself up as Christ gave himself up. Children being children of the light. So walking in the light and not taking part of unfruitful works, Mm. but instead exposing them. That verse is huge um, as of late. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) And then it talks about wives and husbands. So he talks about, you know, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. But then he talks about wives and their roles and husbands and their roles. And the reason why I bring up Ephesians 5 and and loving each how we can I guess how we can really fight for our marriage and not jump ship is by subscribing and just being obedient to God's design mm. um for us and well, getting rid of sexual immorality and bad language walking in the light but also stepping into those roles that he has he has shown us. Well, it's funny you you say all that cuz obviously in Ephesians 5 it, it goes down into the Loving each other as Christ loved the church. Right. So it's talking about the better way of love, submitting to one another out of reverence right. for Christ. Okay, what? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to submit to you. This is talking to the church, obviously, but then there's an analogy later about marriage itself. Actually, no, it's talking about, yeah, wives and husbands, and then above that, uh, it's being children of light. So. Mm-hmm. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right. So because of Christ's goodness, I'm submitting. Yeah. Right. I'm submitting in love to him. I'm submitting in love to you. And you know what? That What does that do? Right. That takes the, it's not self-centered. It's Christ-centered. Right. It's not, I'm self, I'm, 
focused on making myself feel like I'm justified. Right. I have been justified in right. Christ. Now I'm centered on him. How can I love him? How can I obey him? Because he's my good and righteous king. Mm. My good and reigning king. Okay. Right, right. So speaking of how. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we are. Yeah. So how can we fight fiercely for each other and ultimately for your marriage? I think we've talked about it a lot already. Right. You've talked about um, kindness. Uh, gentle, using kindness in our marriage, so gentle assurance through our words, being thoughtful, intentional. I mean, look at every just in ways that you know your spouse will know they're loved and feel that they're loved, um, because I think you can feel loved, but mm. that's not. We don't seek to feel loved, right? We are. We understand that we're first loved in Christ and that we're loved by our spouse. But I mm. think that sometimes I, I know that I'm loved, but I, I get this emotion, emotional reaction of feeling your love when you mm. are intentional either with your words or in acts of service, you know, understanding the whole, your whole love language. You know, it's funny because, yeah, when you extend kindness to me, you may not feel that a, a bit, but it helps me to feel right. loved. Right, And I think that's what you're trying to say yeah. is you don't have to feel it to make me feel it. Right. And that's a kindness right. to me. Right. And when you're freaking out sometimes as very rarely. This <laughs> Never. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> when you're freaking out. That's great. I love that. <laughs> well, Thanks. <laughs> Sometimes you go a little crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. No. But sometimes when you're, okay. You bring the Hulk out in me. It's not me. Have you ever seen what happens? When the Hulk gets mad, that's when he comes out. Okay. Well, when you're when you're angry, <laughs> like the Hulk gets angry, I would call that freaking out, but whatever, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> okay. What so, you need me to do is to be patient. Yes. And to not just come back with a defensive reply, but my- Or even a re- resolution at that point. Right, and the way I'm, I can be kind to you is I can um, speak truth, but speak it in a way that's that's that you you feel like I'm I'm vying for you, not just trying to be right. Right. And one of the things that you love for me to say that I I love you. I don't feel it when I say this. <laughs> I say, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to work out. That's what I'm I I'm literally just saying words. That's fine. <laughs> Because <laughs> it does a lot for me. Right. And that's an act of kindness. Oh, after, I'm literally after, just saying I'm literally words. just mouthing words. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I feel like I do that with you too sometimes. I'm just like. But it's kind of. I'm not really connected to these, but I know that it's going to help you. <laughs> this is just for you. I'm just serving you up a platter right now. Just you enjoy. Tapas. <laughs> Word tapas. Um, <laughs> tapas Swissman. <laughs> anyway. So that's a kindness. So yeah. you can go through First Corinthians 13 and actually think through love is patient. Okay. What does it mean to look patient right. in your marriage? Right. Love is kind. Love is gentle. How can you be gentle in your marriage? Love is long suffering. What does that mean? Love is not self-serving. And so I would encourage you maybe as part of the challenge later is go through that and actually write down how. Well, and I do want to I do want to touch on the people that are praying for their spouses because maybe you feel like you're in an un, uh, unequally yoked marriage, or there's you know one or two of you, one or both one of you is not really I don't know seeking after God and hungry mm-hmm. after the Lord and his th- his ways and you know professes to be a believer and maybe there's just this this internal struggle. Um, I just encourage you tangibly how you can fight fiercely for. You know, your covenant is just continually praying mm. for God to do a work in your heart and your spouse's heart and patiently waiting, you know, while we just pray without ceasing. And I think mm. that we, again, we we put on our ideas of time into God's word and, and God, when these words were written, the, the way time, it's like time was so much slower than it is now, right? It's time is the same, but the way we use it when, when it was written, it was written where like when it says pray without ceasing or like wait patiently, 
they're not saying like wait for a week. Like patiently waiting in oh, Hebrew yeah. time was decades, maybe. Like right, that's what you're saying. So that was it, we, our perception of time has warped in right. the sense that we we expect things so quickly because we're having on demand culture. Well, yeah, and even when we're like, okay, I've been patient. It's been like a month. It's been, it's been three days. Are you over it <laughs> <Right>. yet? <laughs> and uh, understanding that God's words are. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. They're not written in a different, they're written in a different time, but like his view of time is he's outside of time. So there's a mm. very just different understanding. I think that we need to take hold of there. Well, all of that comes down to a, uh, a big view of God and mm-hmm. a big view of his goodness and his power. Right. Okay. Cause if we don't believe that God is good or powerful, then our view of time will be very short right. when it comes to waiting for things that we are right. contending for. And then it's praying. Yeah. Praying itself is, is a request to God saying, God, you are powerful. I am not. You are God. I am not. I cannot change my spouse's heart. You can. Mm-hmm. Please do. Because mm-hmm. because you're good, because you're loving, because I trust you to do that. Right. Uh, someone said, I think it was Matt Chandler, he said, well, you don't pray because you still feel like you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because you still feel like if you just get the right words mm-hmm. or you just get the right tools or you just hear the right motivational speech right. or if your spouse would just do this or that, and you could figure it out. You're not praying because you're just trying to find that stuff here and now. And Paul is saying, and everywhere else in scripture, and Jesus said this, mm-hmm. pray because you need the help of yeah. your heavenly father. Pray, humble yourselves to pray. What mm-hmm. is it? Was it? I can't remember where it was, but if my people will humble themselves and mm-hmm. pray, things in Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Prayer and humility go hand in hand. Right. And so a lot of times, if, if you are praying, I'm saying, good job. Yeah. Keep praying. Keep, keep trusting praying. God. If you're not, if you're not praying, I would encourage you to just get a big view of God right. and get a big view of what it means to trust him and see yourself rightly as his child, somebody mm-hmm. who he loves and someone who can trust him. Right. And ultimately, when we pray, that's that's helping us respond from a place of um, security in God and not just respond out of mm. the emotions that we're feeling. Right. It's it's right. not it's a helping us to respond out of grace helping us get to that place. <laughs> I love, I'm sorry, I just wrote that on the notes and I've used it twice. So, so the place of grace? The place of grace. It's probably already used. Um, you know, one more way. Grace I th- place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two more ways we can talk about just um, fighting for your covenant and and burning those ships is, is fighting for your purity. And I think the last two episodes um, talking about mm. pornography really hit that hit that nail on the head. And there's um, obviously a lot more you can talk about when it comes to sexual immorality um, and what that looks like in marriage. But I think keeping for, for a married couple that maybe isn't struggling directly with pornography to a, a huge extent, I think we, we can always take a look at our motivation behind why we mm. want to be intimate. You know, is it self-serving? Is it, um, is it because I'm feeling insecure or are we really, loving each other and trying to serve each other um and connect with each other like what are are mm. do our do our motives motives and desires match up with god's for um for purity intimacy intimacy <laughs> and purity yes. yeah no that's good and that's a really good way to fight for your covenant and i and, think understand yeah the, and the bigness of it sorry and the last one that you are always so gracious to bring up is just having having margin so being generous but we can only be generous when we have margin Ooh. with our time, energy, and our words, right? Like you, you're generous to me when you have the time to be and you have the energy to be and then you can produce the words, right? Or whatever, mm, or good. give us, you can, when you have that margin, 
it's you're better able to be generous and it doesn't just feel mm. like another drain on your yeah you can't your be, life right you can't be generous with time that you don't have yeah or can you be generous with uh with resources that you've already spent right right so it's with with withholding in the name of generosity yeah. to, so you can give later and then right. there's obviously there's lots of ways that plays out but specifically right. for your spouse like if you don't prioritize your marriage, I'm coming back around to this, but if you if your covenant is really if you have a small view of it and it's mm. importance, you won't invest into it. Right. And if you don't invest into it, you if you don't think investing into it is important, you won't reserve anything. Right. Like if you're saving up to buy a house or you're saving up to buy a car, you have to put your extra aside for later, for use later. So if I'm saving up my emotions to really encourage my wife or mm-hmm. I'm I'm using my best, you know, my best hours of the day to yeah. think about my marriage, that's an investment. Right. And so I think we have this upside down view and that career is like the number one priority. If you look at your calendar, usually career or ambition or whatever that thing is, that's going to be the priority. Right. And marriage is just by default. We talked, we just released an episode with the Beth Keys last week. Incredible episode. If you haven't yeah, heard it, go back so and listen great. to that because I was so encouraged and as I, I, was, I was editing it, I was just writing things down <laughs> because man, it's just so much goodness around this idea of family, what it means to be a family team. But this idea that the very first like institution that God put into place was the marriage, mm. not the business, not the work, like the marriage mm. in terms of like institutions. Yeah, yeah. We, he asked Adam to put his hand to the plow or whatever, and you know, not, not literally. That didn't happen right. until after the fall. Right. <laughs> but to actually be involved in like naming the creatures and stuff like that. But marriage is right yeah. there, right at the front. So we we tend to just be marriage <laughs> to be married <laughs> by default and not by design. Right. And that's huge because culture, again, just feeds the view that we, you know, if we jump into this area of roles, which we did talk about, I think, um, in another interview as well, but talking about how we are so quick to subscribe, I myself included, this, my Mm -hmm. daily battle is just killing off the views of the world and the pressures and the ideas that I feel that would chip away at me. It's, It's literally like putting up a shield, turning those off. And subs- and putting God's word in in that place, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like turning off the darkness, stepping into the light, saying, "Okay, as a wife, the way that I can burn a ship <laughs> is to submit and to understand that Whoa. this is a loving thing that I can do. This is a this is where I can respond out of grace, and it's all about language and tone, right? It's submission is not is, is loving. It's not policing. It's not you know responding out of just mm. obligation." Um, and it's a it's it's a twofold thing. I know submission obviously has a lot of connotation, and or it doesn't mean that the husband gets to abuse and do whatever he decides, right? Submission is this call to our sin nature, right? So mm. we have that desire as a woman, as a wife. Genesis three, like your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And so God is saying right now, when this you know when sin was broken, when sin broke the world obviously not out of God's control. He's saying the best thing that you can do as a wife is is submit. And this is because your sin nature is going to want to take over. You're going to see a better way. You're going to know the better way. You're going to get your house whipped into shape and your husband's going to come home and ruin it all. Like, <laughs> not really. But <laughs> I think wives know where we, like when we have a routine, we have things that we do or whatever. And then the husband comes in and you're like, okay, well, he's entering your domain now, right? It's and, and it's now like he's no, barking orders. right? And that's your attitude, <laughs> right? And so, it's one of the best ways that I can burn a ship is to is to submit and not oh, always give in to that. I'm not saying that this leadership. For the this well, is, I know, I know. I'm saying but it. 
I agree with you. And you know, but here's the thing: I want right. to add to this. I know for everything you've said, a husband is called to what to, to die. Yeah. Okay, to love as Christ loved the church. What? How did Christ love his church? <laughs> he died. Yes. He died for yes. her. Yes. Okay. So okay. So sorry, third wave feminists. Okay, submit to your husband. But let me tell husbands: die for your wife. Yeah. Okay. So look at okay the analogy between um, the 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 unity of the the triunity of God. Okay, so the three persons of the triune God, that infinite unity, and there is parallels to be drawn between that and the marital bond and the, and the expression of intimacy and the expression of oneness. Okay, there's, so we look at that. Let's just draw a quick parallel here between husbands being called to, to love their wives as Christ loved the church and wives being called to help their husbands as the Holy Spirit is the helper. Mm. Okay, so is there a subservient role there? No. 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 The, the triune God, it's one God, three equally powerful persons of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So within the marriage, we are different, but we are not less. Mm -mm. Okay. You are of equal value, worth, and importance in your submission. And I'm of equal value, worth, and importance in my dying Mm. to you, for Mm -hmm. you. Okay. So sacrificial love on both sides. Both sides. I can't die for my wife unless I understand that Christ died for me and I understand the bigness of of my God and and my identity in him. And what that means is, every, and you mentioned generosity at every at every turn. If I can, mm-hmm. I'm generous to you, right. and you're my helper. Yes, which ama- you are the helper God made for me. I'm thankful for you. Just yesterday, you helped me in mm-hmm. profound ways and loved me. Mm-hmm. As a wife, I did not feel like I felt like you are the mighty one. <laughs> right? I wasn't like, oh, you're. I'm bound to your level. Give me some token advice. <laughs> right? It was like you are helping me. You're holding my arms up, like. Like they held Moses's arms up mm-hmm. in battle. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you look like you're going to say something. Well, and in talking about submission, like Christ submitted to God's will to die for us, right? There's this there's this whole act of submission that you know people are like, if you're truly God, like call all the angels down to save you and all of that. And He submitted, and He was like, in I'm Matthew no, 5, yeah, yeah, I'm submitted 4. to God's to God's plan and His role and this this whole plan for saving humanity and bringing salvation to the earth and i'm going to submit to his way and so when we there's i mean christ is submit just being on the earth yeah it's a whole act of submission i want to interject this thing because there's a there's a heresy okay called the eternal subordination of the sun okay and it has been um it's actually being debated among faithful christians now we're not talking about that the sun is less eternally no we're talking about the sense that he has. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of around. There's a lot of um, theology around this, like Christology, and who Christ was, mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. But essentially, he went in becoming flesh. He left some of his. He he has he relegated some of his god-like powers, right? Because he was in a physical body. He wasn't just flying around everywhere mm-hmm. like God could, right? He wasn't. You know, there's. He wasn't necessarily omnipresent. Yeah. No, he was physically present in one place, right. although. He's still part of the Godhead, right? right? Still part of the tri- triune God, and there's that sense of it. So there's a lot of complexity there. I just want to say that we're not talking about the e- eternal subordination of the Son. I just want to make that clear. Okay. But you are talking about a certain, like, a voluntary um, act of submission. Right. And I think that it's... But that, uh, that does beg the question, is, did Christ not want to go to the cross for us? Right. And right. I, don't think, I don't think that's the case. I think he, he knew what he was doing. He did it willingly. Mm-hmm. And but I think that was an act of love and an act of um and, and an act of obedience to the Father because there well, is definitely the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, okay. They have yeah, different yeah, yeah. they have yeah. different roles. Yeah. 
there's different roles in the Trinity, just like there's different roles in marriage and they're so equal. So glad one of us is smart. <laughs> well, I hope I'm not butchering this. So, <laughs> no, I anyway. think we both, like you said, there's both a wife and a husband are both called to like selfish, like death to selfishness, right? We're both called to submission. I think that's a, safe, a, that's a safe thing to say. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> yeah. and culture's view of roles are rooted in lies that go against God's design. I mean, God is the creator of the universe. Shouldn't he know his design, how it will operate best? Oh, like by doing by by stepping into these roles, we're fighting for our marriage by by again not just subscribing but saying yes, God, I believe what you're saying, and I'm going to mm. walk this out. Help me, Lord, on this journey. That is how we are burning the ships because we're not saying God, help me get out of this marriage. We're saying God, help me walk through this because it's going to be so hard, and I don't even know the depth and darkness of it all. Mm. But please, I know that you are God. You are the light. Nothing is out of your control, and I'm trusting you in the situation. And again, trust has just been a theme throughout this episode. I think mm. trusting the fact that he is good no matter what. And when we trust his word, his design, his power, and his sovereignty, we can rest assured that he will be glorified ultimately when our ships are burned, and that will be for our good as well. Man. Oh, okay. So two things to, to kind of wrap this up, then we'll get into the conversation challenge. But the first thing is I love you and I love your mind. You're so smart. <laughs> Thank you for uh, – you're ministering to me as you're talking and I'm just so encouraged to to know you and I love you. So I just want to say that. Secondly, secondly, all of this comes around to what you were saying about just that big view of God's sovereignty mm-hmm. over the marital covenant. Mm-hmm. And I, so that's what I want to encourage couples listening to this, husbands and wives listening to this. In your marriage, get a big view of your covenant. Mm. Like know this 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 thing that you're a part of, and you will see a big view of God, and you will see a big view of His goodness. And so, I just I want to in the church, I want to perpetuate this idea, and and it starts with you, listeners. Marriage is a huge, huge thing. So, if there's anybody in your life who's engaged. Like try to breach these conversations that define covenant. Give them a copy of our book. We talk about all this stuff in the mm-hmm. book Fierce Marriage. We talk about covenantal love. We talk about how that the gospel, how it bears weight on covenant, how that bears weight on love, and how that affects how we do all the behaviors of marriage. We right. talk about all that stuff. But my, the point that I'm trying to make is that we have to burn the ships when it comes to marriage. Mm-hmm. As believers, there is no plan B. And I'm saying there's no plan B. Not there's plan B if or there's these exceptions. I'm saying there's no plan B. And we could get into the debate of all that kind of stuff, but we just need to see this as an incredibly important, um, irrevocable thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I know that's heavy, but it's also really joyful. It's it's heavy if we try to resist it. If it's joyful, if we understand God's goodness in it and we understand his sovereignty and And it's not all up to us, right? Oh, thank God. Jesus has done it all and we need to live out of what he's done. And so I think the couple's conversation challenge that we would give to to each of you is to answer these two questions to each other. So where do you feel like you want to jump ship? Like, where do you feel like in your marriage, you just want to kind of give up or you don't feel like fighting anymore? Um, And then the second question is how can you both help each other burn Mm. that that ship? (laughs) Burn that ship. Almost came out wrong. Specifically, maybe even make a list of how can I help you burn that ship? How can I help you in that area that you want to give up on? Um, And understanding your role, I think, in that situation as well. Okay. That's good. That's really good. Um, Selena. Well, okay. We talked about praying. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want to just mention this. We have some books that uh, I think would help anybody who's trying to find 
uh, tangible ways to pray for, the, mm-hmm. for each other. 40 Prayers for My Husband, 40 Prayers for My Wife. It's a pair of two books. I think they're like 20 bucks or something for the pair. So 10 bucks each on our website. Just go to 40prayers.com. And those are actually responding to God's word. That's the whole the whole purpose of prayer is God has spoken mm-hmm. to us in his word. He's given us this beautiful gift of his revelation and the reveal, revealed word. And prayer is our response as people of faith to that. And specifically in these books, 40 Prayers for My Husband or for My Wife, are prayers on behalf of your spouse talking back to God in light of what he has said in scripture. So we, I, I feel like these these books have been helpful for people. They've been, they were helpful for us when we wrote them. And I'm just thankful for them. So um, yeah, check out 40prayers.com and uh, and yeah, find find a pair of books. We hope you'll enjoy those. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You want to pray us out? All right, I will pray us out. Lord, I thank you. Um, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, God, for your sovereignty, that you are powerful, that you are great. So we don't have to be great because you are. We don't have to be powerful because you're powerful. We don't even really have to be, we, we can't be good. We can't be holy like you're holy, Lord, because, but you are good in your love toward us. You are making us holy. You have seen us as holy in your by the blood of your son. So I thank you for that. I pray that you would give us a right view of your character, a right view of your covenant, your covenantal nature and what that means for our covenant in marriage. I also pray for the husbands and the wives listening to this, that they would not, that, that they would not be discouraged, that they would be encouraged, that they would be enlivened and emboldened to live in full light of your char- character um, and in light of the covenant that you've given them. I pray that, that their, their marriage would glorify you, that as their sanctification journey continues, that they would be made more holy and they would more uh, aptly glorify your name. Jesus, um, thank you for this time in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening this far. You guys are awesome. We love our listeners, our fierce, fierce listeners. And uh, yeah, so we will see you in about seven days. And until then, stay fierce. You almost forgot the can. Oh my goodness, this episode is... (laughs) In the can. (laughs) (laughs) All right, see you in seven days. Stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If our ministry has blessed you, we would be honored to partner with you on Patreon.com slash Fierce Marriage. There are benefits to being a Fierce Marriage partner, but more than anything, you get to be complicit in our cause of pointing couples to Christ and commissioning marriages for the gospel. To learn more, go to Patreon.com slash Fierce Marriage. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Fierce Marriage. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care. Thank you.